The nail in the coffin! Welcome to the Nail in the Coffin, episode number 82. Tom and Travis coming at you uh, early Sunday morning. Trev, not a uh, not a normal time slot for us here. These are not normal times. <laughs> no, sadly they are not. We, uh, we got the news on Friday afternoon. Kyrie Irving has requested a trade away from the Cavs. Uh, you had a, a Tribe game you went to on Friday. I was there on Saturday, so we we're finally able to uh, convene here Sunday morning. When you and I first texted about this, you were, I think, like a lot of people, kind of at a loss for words, just uh, dumbfounded by all this. Uh, what uh, what say you now? Well, the news itself was weird. I don't think anyone really saw it coming, and I'm not sure even now it makes a whole lot of sense to anybody. Um, but I guess more of what more of what I'm looking at now is, I guess, what what do we see the Cavs doing, and what uh, where do we see the end result here? How what do we if if they're gonna move Kyrie? What can they turn him into? Um, are they gonna make him ride it out? What does this mean for LeBron's future? Blah blah blah, all that shit. So I think it really just sort of spawned more questions than just you know well, what the hell. Completely valid, and those are uh, a lot of questions. I think we're gonna get into here over the next thirty forty minutes or whatever, but. To the first thing I have to say, I, and even still now, a couple days after we found this out, um, I am just so profoundly bummed out. I, 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 I've been very open in just effusively praising Kyrie Irving uh, on here. Um, and I mean, I would say I was telling my dad this last night, driving down to the tribe game, he is one of probably my two or three favorite athletes I've watched anywhere uh, in any sport. Uh, just having him on the Cavs is just been, you know, incredible. And to like kind of have the rug pulled out from under you a little bit, it just sucks. And I mean, say he does get traded, what kind of reception do you think he will get when he comes back here? Um, I don't think it'll be like the like when LeBron left and came back. I don't think it'll be quite that bad, but I I, I think he'll he'll take quite a bit of heat. Um, I guess it obviously depends where he ends up and the circumstances around when he comes back. But um, I think it'll be rough for him. But ultimately, if LeBron's still here and if they're able to get anywhere near fair value for him um i think a lot of Cavs fans will be unlike lebron where when he left we knew all right well this is over um if if they're able to replace Kyrie with anything close to to equal i think a lot of folks would be like all right screw him we'll go do it without him and and sort of you know be a little more uh i don't i don't know the word for it but a little more maybe vindictive and, and less hateful <laughs> so I guess we'll wait and see, but um, I don't think it'll be as, as hostile as it was for LeBron. Yeah, you know, I think for me personally, that the reason I was so frustrated when LeBron left and, and why I was upset with that was like the Cavs were right on the doorstep of winning a championship and never got it done. 
and you just had that feeling, that sense like uh, he left with unfinished business. And, and you know, the, the drought was still a thing. The title drought for the city was still a thing at that point. And at least with Kyrie, if he does get shipped out of here now, at least you can look back and say, we got one. And he was a huge reason we got one. Like, he yeah, helped deliver He hit the biggest shot in the history of the franchise. That Game 7 game winner, that was the biggest shot in the history of the franchise. And um, I think there's at least a little bit more closure with with – uh, if he would depart versus the circumstances with LeBron. And, you know, for that matter, honestly, you know, if we, we've heard the whispers that this could be LeBron's last year here and, you know, he might be moving on to somewhere else next year. Same thing. I mean, I will be profoundly bummed out again if LeBron's gone, uh, especially if he's still playing somewhere else. And we know that, that he could still be continuing on his career here, but I, I would not be nearly as upset with that as I was the first time because, I mean, he delivered. He came back here to win us a title, and, and he did it. Yeah, not only that, I mean, obviously if LeBron leaves in a year, we're right back where we started, but um, losing Kyrie doesn't necessarily kill you, like I said, especially if you can get um, – and I will probably get into the, to the possibilities of what – what they could expect or what they should go after if they do decide sure. to trade him. But um, if you can get something that, that closely resembles or, you know, talent wise, what Kyrie brought, which obviously is easier said than done. But um, if you can get anywhere like that, it can, it can be a case where, you know, you don't take a huge step back. Um, only difference being, you know, you kind of have to, reacclimate new guys and all that stuff and sort of start over a little bit from that. But as long as you have LeBron, you've got a chance. Um, while last time when we lost LeBron, we knew, Hey, it's, it's, it's going to be a tear down and, and try this thing all over again type of deal. Right. You know, one of the reasons that you keep seeing floated out there that Kyrie wants to push for a trade now is he is burned out by the, constant state of flux in the Cavs front office and all the uncertainty surrounding the team and whether LeBron will be back next year or not. And I think it was Woj that had the story that basically said something to the effect of like, he wants to take control of his situation now um, because LeBron could leave next year. Is it just me or does that not really add up? Because I'm, I'm looking at this and you know, we hear the first thing that came out was he wants to be the man. He wants to be the the number one option and, and the guy that a franchise is built around and all that. And he knows that as long as LeBron's here, he's never going to be that here. Fair, but he has the chance to be that here if LeBron leaves here. Like he had signed, don't forget, like when Kyrie signed his current contract, it was in the summer of 2014. It was that first day of free agency like right after midnight, I think David Griffin came in, met with him like right at midnight, laid out the whole scenario for him. Hey, we're going to, you know, I, I'm the, I'm the GM now. They made it official. We're going to, you know, build this thing up. You are, we're going to build around you. And then LeBron fell into their laps about 10 days later. And he was all of a sudden in a situation that he hadn't really signed up for. Um, theoretically, four years later, he could go right back to, you know, being, the centerpiece of the Cavs. 
And if that's on an, on its own is not enough to be uh, uh, enticing enough to make him want to do that, don't forget he has a possibility of getting that Supermax contract that could pay him $50 million more here than anywhere else. And if he gets traded, like we talked about um, with Jimmy Butler a few weeks ago, that's out the window. So, you know, we're looking at this and like, you, you, yes, you don't know the, the certainty of what's going to happen. You don't know where things are going with the Cavs, but like, are you so hell bent on getting out of here that you are willing to throw away a shot at getting an extra $50 million? That just seems ludicrous to me. Yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And the fact of the matter is, in, you know, like you were saying, he has the possibility to be back where he thought he was going to be um, four years ago. Not only that, he's going to be a lot more ready for that role because I don't Absolutely. think four years ago he was, you know, ready to be face of a franchise type guy. Um, so that's one thing. Second is being the face, I guess, the face of a franchise, which I'd, I'd kind of argue, yeah, I guess LeBron is, but Kyrie's star has gotten a lot bigger because of LeBron. Um, Absolutely. He may be the second biggest name on his team now instead of the first, but there weren't a whole lot of people that were talking about Kyrie as one of the best players in the league before LeBron came. Um, and that's not to say he hasn't improved since then, but do you th- do you think people are still talking about you the way they are now if you're winning 35 games a year? I, I don't. Um, so I guess we'll see if that's what comes to fruition. And obviously it depends where he ends up and all that stuff. But I, I, I'm not, I think he's undervaluing how much um, being in the finals every year has actually done for, you know, his, his level of celebrity or his, his, his reputation, whether LeBron's involved or not, he's gained a ton from it. So, I mean, you know, you talked about winning like possibly 35 games a year. And, and I know like, you you look back to how the Cavs played before he came or before LeBron came back. Uh, and I think like the last year that uh, 2013, 2014 season, um, I think the Cavs won like 33 games or something. Um, I, I do think, like you said, he's in a much better place and he has improved greatly. And I, I do think he could go lead some, somebody to be a, a, a perennial playoff team now. And um you know, with the right supporting cast, uh, even more than that. But because uh, I mean, don't forget, like that team uh, four years ago. I mean, that that was the, the second best player in that team was Dion Waiters. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously a much different team now. Um, but one thing to think about, I mean, you look at what's his, what's his ceiling, I guess, in terms of of team success. I think it's probably like a Russell Westbrook type thing. Now he's not going to average a triple double. He's probably not going to win an MVP, but you know, an okay, mediocre win total, uh, six seed maybe in the East. I don't think he could lead a team to succeed in the West, but um, succeed in the East and you know, first round exit is that is that what you want to sign up for? I I don't know what he's. I don't know exactly. Obviously, we don't know exactly what he wants, but. Well, we do know we do know what where he'd like to go, um, which was also weird. Like, yes, 
your team doesn't want to get rid of you. They have you for two years. You think they give a shit? Like, if you ask them to trade, that's one thing. Do you think they give a shit which four teams you want to go to? They shouldn't. No, and not at all. If they do deal him, I have a feeling it'll end up being one of those places just because I, I you just get the sense that, like, teams want to try to give the appearance of doing right by players. But, like, as far as I'm concerned... this is one of those situations where anyone gives a shit if you do right by a guy. Right. He doesn't, and, if he doesn't want to play be, for the team because one of the other guys is better and they win a shitload, and he's not the number one name, I don't think anyone's going to give a damn where he gets traded. No, and let's be honest, like, as long as Dan Gilbert's owning the Cavs, as soon as LeBron's gone, I don't think any free agent of any consequence is going to want to come here, whether they do right by uh, by Kyrie or not in terms of where he wants to go. But yeah, like, he, has, he does not have a no-trade clause. He's under contract for two more years, so... You know, he's well within his rights to say, this is where I want to go. But if I'm the Cavs, I take that list and I wipe my ass with it. I just, at that point, you got to do what's best for yourself. I mean, he's doing what's, what he thinks is best for himself. I think the Cavs have to do the exact same uh, for their own interests. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, 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 and I think maybe, you know, if you think that um, his very vocal desire to be out um, makes it untenable to to hold on to him here. Um, then and you feel like you got to trade him. I mean, that's one thing. But I, I I'm looking at the best deal for the Cavs. You know, on that thought, do we think is there any shot whatsoever that they smooth this over, and and this whole episode blows over? Because I mean, the the one parallel I saw a lot of people drawing was Kobe Bryant in 2007 requested a trade from the Lakers. And they just stood firm and ended up working things out. And they ended up going to the finals, like, what, three straight years after that and winning yeah, two titles. Titles, and Yeah, I mean, this is a little bit different situation because Kobe's move seemed to be exclusively about getting better and winning. Um, and no matter who they brought in, he was still going to be the guy for that team. So I think it's a little bit different. Um, That's fair. But I, I do think that... Um, I think if it's going to be smoothed over, it needs to be done by LeBron. And I don't, uh, we've seen some of his, you know, cryptic sort of. The king of subtweeting yeah, rolling exactly. out again. <laughs> we've seen a lot of that stuff. So I don't know that he's necessarily shown that. Um, I think, of course, he'd like to smooth it over. And by all accounts, he came here because of the, of the opportunity to play with Kyrie. And certainly that has, has, lived up to everything LeBron probably wanted it to be. Um, but that said, I think he, he he probably needs to reach out and try to smooth it out. And it, by all accounts, though, it sounds like he was a bit blindsided by this, which I kind of found interesting because I don't think he ever really gets blindsided by anything. Um, so is it possible that they smooth it over? I guess. Because um, at the end of the day, Kyrie doesn't have a whole lot of choice in the matter. So what's he going to do, mobile year and, and, and tank or what? That's not going to help. Um, it's not going to help him really or anyone awkward, else. Right. It's an awkward situation in the locker room if if a guy lets the cat out of the bag. Hey, I don't want to be here playing with you guys. And now I'm still here playing with you guys. But no, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the whole thing with LeBron being blindsided. You know, it's kind of a fool's errand to try to say, like, well, what is this guy thinking? You know, we don't know what the fuck the guy's thinking. We're not in his head. But 
I, I am kind of curious to know where his head is at. And I would love to get, you know, I would love to hear him open up a little bit and maybe he never will, but I mean, I guess to a certain degree, he's going to have to at some point, but I mean, we've just, we've, you know, it hasn't always been perfect with those guys. I mean, you could remember even that first month that he was, that LeBron was back the first month of the season, there was that episode where LeBron kind of just stood in the corner in the Portland game and let Kyrie just go dribble himself into circles and, and, you know, basically they threw the game away so LeBron could, like, you know, teach him a tough love lesson. And, uh, you know, that was the, you know, you can have a one or two assists, but you could never again have a game where you have no assists. But, you know, LeBron's pushed him pretty much, I, I think, throughout the time that they've both been here. And, you know, you just you saw how how much LeBron praised him, especially more and more in the in the past year or so. And talking about how Kyrie, this is going to be his team someday and I'm going to give him the blueprint. And this guy could be the league MVP. And, you know, there was even that quote during the the playoffs, um, like LeBron said, like, whether it's the end of my career or it's the end of his career, we're always going to play together. It's it's never going to come to us not wanting to play with, with each other, which just looks so hauntingly weird now, now in retrospect. But, um, you know, I just, I, this was the thought that was just kind of rolling around my head. Like, has anybody ever said to LeBron, I'm sick of playing with you. Like you've had guys like, you know, Delhi left the Cavs a couple of years ago or last summer um, because he got an obscene contract offer from the Bucks, and LeBron cheered him on and said, Hey, go get paid. That's, that's good for you. I'm happy for you. Congratulations. Or you get guys who like won't come to the Cavs because like, I don't know if LeBron's sticking around. So it's like the opposite of this. They're saying like, I, I don't want to sign up to play with you because I don't want to get stuck playing without you. But I can't ever remember somebody, let alone a guy as high profile as Kyrie, saying like, I'm sick and tired of playing with you. I want to go somewhere where I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, I think. No, I don't think we've seen it to to answer your initial question. And second, there may be guys that have kind of thought it, although the only the only guy that's really, you know, was on the same level as LeBron, at least as much as anyone could be. um was Dwayne Wade and they were really good friends. So I think there was sort of an understanding there. Um, they kind of knew, they knew each other before they got there. They were already friends and they, they kind of, you know, they, they orchestrated the whole thing obviously themselves. And it wasn't an instance where a guy just got brought in like a Kevin love or where he just joined up with Kyrie. Everyone else was sort of, you know, second level to him. And that's, and let's be fair. Dwayne Wade wasn't even really on his level because he's sort of in, in, world by himself but i think there may have been guys that sort of wanted it to maybe wanted a little more um impact or wanted to be a little more of a factor but by announcing it and and to be fair Kyrie didn't actually announce it someone announced it for him but by having it announced you're almost saying winning isn't the number one thing to you and that's sort of a tricky message to get out. I think that's the case for a lot of guys. Um, I don't know if winning is the most important thing to everyone, but you'll never hear anybody say that. Um, and this, by saying I don't want to play with LeBron, I'd, I'd rather have you know more control myself or be in a position to be the guy myself. You're basically saying, I think, that you don't winning is secondary to you and, and the, the attention or the fame or whatever you want to call it is first. 
Um, and that's sort of a tricky message to send, I think. I'm not sure I 100% agree with that. I, I mean, I am in agreement that if you want to win a championship, it's a hell of a lot better to have LeBron James on your team than not. And it seems like it's, you know, your title chances, you're, you're committing, you know, you're, you're, you know, putting yourself out on a, you're taking a long walk on a short pier uh, for your title chances. If you're voluntarily walking away from LeBron, but at the same time, I think he genuinely believes that he can be the centerpiece on a championship team if he's got the right pieces around him, which to a degree almost kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit that he is pushing for this right now because, you know, you you just look at the leverage that the Cavs have with having him under contract for two more years. The more, the closer you get to a guy's free agency, the less of a return you can get in trading him. And I think that was a big reason why you saw like the Pacers unload Paul George now rather than waiting till the trade deadline in February. Like they knew now they're not going anywhere and he didn't want to be here. So let's let's maximize our return now. Like with them doing this, theoretically, I mean, and it's entirely possible that any sort of a trade is going to involve multiple teams, but like whoever gets him, I would just assume in theory is going to have to give up more in order to get him, which is going to ultimately set him back further wherever he's going. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of any team. And the name that got thrown out that's weird to me is um, San Antonio. And I get it from a winning standpoint. That would make a ton of sense, obviously. And they're in desperate need of a, of a uh, point guard. But A, they're not trading Kawhi. He was what, runner-up or third uh, third, you know, guy for the MVP last year. So he's obviously the guy there in fairness. He's also incredibly quiet, not super outspoken or outgoing or in a whole lot of commercials or anything like Kyrie is. So celebrity wise, Kyrie could go in there and get a lot of the attention. But as far as the game goes, I don't know that he's going to jump right in and be the guy there. Um, but they also really don't have any. The Spurs, that's just not like their identity. I mean, they've they've never been a I mean, they've had Hall of Fame caliber players, but you know, it just that that it, that is the one like championship level team that in the modern era seems built on a on a team concept and uh, you know, saying like I want to walk away from LeBron James and I want to be the man. That that seems like an odd team to want to stake that claim on. Yeah, that team is built on the fact that they don't have one of those people. Right. Even when Tim Duncan was winning the MVP, it was never, he was not, you know, he was still the, the quiet, quietly one of the best players in the league. Um, he's never really talked about at length. I mean, people obviously appreciated what he did and respected how good he was, but he was never in a bunch of commercials. He was never, um, just never talked about the way that it sounds like Kyrie wants to be talked about. So saying one thing and then saying, Oh yeah, I want to be part of the Spurs doesn't really jive at all to me. Um, and second, what, what could anyone, what could the Spurs give up that the Cavs would be like, yeah, okay, that sounds fair. We'll take that. None of those four. I mean, so the four teams that he listed as preferred destinations were the Spurs, the heat, the Knicks, and um, Minnesota, and, and I think Minnesota was primarily because Jimmy Butler 
just went there and that's that's I think you know by all accounts one of his best friends in the league um by the way that puts that whole all those trade rumors when the Cavs were in the mix for him you know there was that rumor that came out that Jimmy Butler was interested in, in coming here and then supposedly Kyrie steered him away from here and I I don't know. I kind of brushed that off at the time, but that this this whole episode now puts that in completely makes it sound much more likely. <laughs> different, yeah, yeah. It's a lot much different context, but um, no. I mean, just looking at all four of those teams, I feel like if a trade would get done with one of them, it's probably going to involve a third team where the primary assets that the Cavs are getting would be coming from the third team. Like the one scenario I saw was that. Um, uh, Kyrie would go to the Knicks and the Cavs would ultimately end up getting uh, mellow and uh, the, the really for the long term, the, the other really critical piece there would be Eric Bledsoe, who would be coming from Phoenix, who, by the way, is another Rich Paul client. So um, you're always going to see the uh, guys uh, – who are uh, associated with Rich Paul and, and LeBron and, and that whole organization. I, I think that, that that's always a natural tie that's going to get brought up. So, and bless How do you a good feel player. about that move? Um, I mean, I, I guess it would kind of also depend on what else, uh, who else gets moved in and out. Um, if we would have to take out any other contracts or if, you know, we're, you know, depleting anybody else, uh, you know, depleting our rotation and getting rid of anybody else. Um, I mean, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. I saw a variation of that that also included Kevin Love going out that I thought was absolutely horrendous. Like, I, I don't think Kevin Love needs to be part of these discussions. Um, you know, people love throwing his name in trade chatter, and it just seems like we've been hearing Kevin Love trade rumors since the day he got traded here. But uh, I, I just I, I don't feel like you need to be doing that right now unless there is some very obvious upgrade on the table. And I feel like those options went out the window when Paul George got traded elsewhere. Speaking, yeah. of, speaking of that, by the way, really quick sidebar. How much do you think the Celtics are kicking themselves right now for not being more aggressive and going after Paul George? Um, Like, yeah, they got Gordon I'm, Hayward, but... They also gave up Avery Bradley. Um, yeah, I did not. I was surprised by that. I did not think he was going to be part of that because he seemed like, you know, one of their key, I don't want to call him a role player, but one of those key sort of like second tier guys. You need guys like them, yes, like you do. him. Um, and they just sort of seemed like, eh, we'll be okay without him. I think he was a bigger part of that team than than they thought he was, at least in my opinion, he was. I just, I, I mean, we'll never know everything from behind the scenes, but you just, you're thinking about, you know, if, if you're the Celtics, you're probably looking at the Cavs. Well, they should have the East on lock for the next three years. And assuming LeBron stays around, or at least through this next year, while we know LeBron is still in Cleveland, uh, but, you know, keep the gunpowder dry for another day. And it's like, now all of a sudden the Cavs are in a state of flux that I don't think anybody really could have predicted this quickly um you know they might have been in a better position to contend this year coming up right now than they might have envisioned before and it just i wonder if in retrospect all those assets that we constantly have to hear about boston holding if maybe they should have you know been willing to to part with those a little bit more to to make that splash but maybe that's a discussion for another day 
So what else with uh, with Kyrie here? This uh, still reeling. <laughs> I don't know. I guess yeah, a little bit. Um, the more I think about it, my first uh, reaction to the um, the blood so and mellow one that I also saw. I, my first reaction was no way is that enough. Um, I think I've maybe come a little bit off of that, but I think of course you'd like to see them get more, but I think I think it would have to be a little bit more than that. Um, have you seen any scenarios that really made you say, okay, yeah, I guess that would be, that'd be great. I could, I could, I could live without Kyrie for that, whatever it happened to be. Flatly. No. Um, just to be perfectly blunt. No, I've not. Part of that is because, you know, as I try to convey on here over the past half hour, or so <laughs> I, I, I love watching Kyrie and uh, I, I, I'm not, you know, in a hurry to be parting with him and you're going to have to blow me away with any offer. And the, which leads me to the second part is when you have a guy who, you know, through back channels that end up becoming public declares that he wants to go somewhere else. I don't think you're going to do any better than 75 cents on the dollar. So at this point, it's just, it feels like it's just a matter of trying to get fleeced as little as you possibly can. And it's weird because a couple of days ago, I saw someone on uh, someone on Twitter was saying that this was before this even came down. Some guy on Twitter was saying um, that the best trade bait the Cavs had was Kyrie. And at the time, I, I, I thought well, he's their second best player, and they're not going to trade LeBron. But I, I can't see any scenario where you get back, you know, where you trade Kyrie and you end up better, like where you get you know, one or two players that are collectively better than Kyrie and make and improve the team as much as you'd have to. I, I I just couldn't see it. And I still can't really. And obviously, like you said, it probably have to be one of those three team deals that are really hard to project and, 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 you know, guess it's not where you can just jump on ESPN trade machine and hammer one out and be like, Oh yeah, that works. Um, it's not going to stop people from trying, <laughs> right? Right, and that's 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 interesting, and it's good talk. I just I can't imagine a scenario where, and even before this, I couldn't imagine a scenario where the Cavs don't have Kyrie for whatever reason. They trade him for something else, and we look at it and we're like, "Yeah, okay, this team really improved." I just, I, I can't imagine it. So it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's just, there's too much, too much shit that you'd have to think about and figure out to, to, to put something like that together. Cause those three team deals, like I said, you can't project them. You need two active participants instead of just one, which is hard enough. So and I think it's even harder to try to make trades when you don't have a fucking general manager six weeks after you let the other one go. I mean, for all intents and purposes, Kobe Altman's been the general manager, and it sounds now like that's going to be made official, and he's going to get the interim tag removed. And which I think, as soon as Chauncey Billups removed his name from any sort of consideration, seemed like the writing was on the wall. Why it's taken this long to get formalized, I have no idea. Especially because, by all indications, they have not interviewed anybody else. So I, um, and that you know, sidebar number two here. How much do you think the the whole implosion with Griff contributed to this for Kyrie? I was just going to say it's sort of interesting that we're we're shocked and stunned that a guy wants out when 
the front office is as dysfunctional as it is. Um, it's a team who had a GM who, by all accounts, Kyrie really liked Griff. It sounds like um, that extension that he signed, obviously, before LeBron was was a big part of Kyrie, you know, liking Griffin, I think, beyond the normal basketball and money things. But at the same time, this they let go. Um, they're a team that made the final three years in a row. They let go of their GM, um, who by all accounts was great at his job and should have just been paid more money and given more control. Um, and they let go of him. Instead, their first plan was to bring in a former player with zero front office experience. That guy didn't even want to come here. So now you're just going to promote the old assistant. Like, you didn't seem to have any plan B whatsoever. Your plan A wasn't really that great to begin with. So it shouldn't really be that. In theory, it shouldn't really be that surprising (laughs) that he'd want to go somewhere else a little more stable. But considering how successful the team's been, it, it, it just doesn't make much sense, I think. Short of LeBron himself demanding a trade this summer, I, I, I just the way everything has unfolded, I can't imagine a worse scenario for an offseason than what the Cavs have had so far. Like, I, I just, the Griff thing and everything you just laid out with trying to figure out a replacement for him or not really trying to figure out a replacement as these days just tick by and we don't really hear anything coming from their uh, their offices. Uh you know, I, I guess that the Derek Rose thing initially kind of struck me as extremely odd when, I, although now I guess it makes a little bit more sense if you knew that Kyrie was trying to get out of here. But like spreading out to go sign Jose Calderon on the first day of free agency when you have extremely limited assets to work with. And I don't care if they're going to have to spend $8 million when you factor in the, the luxury tax penalties and all that. I, I don't care about Dan Gilbert's money. It's not that. It's I as a fan watching the team, I want to see a cohesive plan. I, I want to see a direction. And when I see them just kind of floating around, I, I've not gotten any sense. There I mean uncertainty is like the word that describes everything. And and I just I don't understand what the plan is. And whether it's in the next week or so here, if they have a formal press conference to introduce Kobe Altman, or if you have to wait until media day in the fall, I would just like somebody to sit down and explain to me how their course of action through this summer is in any way, shape or form supposed to put them in a better position to compete with the Warriors than this past year. I feel like they have gotten themselves further away than closer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I echo everything. I can't even, I don't have anything to add to it even. I agree completely. All right. Anything else before we shut it down? I think uh, I, I've aired enough grievances here. Yeah, nothing Cavs-wise. A um, couple nice games out of the Indians here. Big big blowout on Friday and then walk off in extra innings yesterday that you got to enjoy. Um, nice to see. Not a ton to add to it. Um, I think Salazar yesterday was really, really nice to see. Really excited for him. Obviously, I'm hoping yes. that, that, hoping that that's something that that we expect to see more of, as opposed to the Danny Salazar we saw early in the season. So that Salazar um, pitching performance last night, I, I just I have to say that's one of the best pitching performances I've ever seen in person. 
He gave yeah, up he was... one one hit through seven innings, and I think he only allowed three balls to get out of the infield in the entire game. Yeah, it was he was on point. I mean, he came up right out first batter of the game. Uh, three consecutive strikes struck him out. Went ninety five, five ninety six, ninety seven was throwing hard, putting it exactly where it wants to. Um, if what they said, what we heard earlier in the season is true, that he was sort of, you know, just mentally not all there. If the last couple months where he was hurt and then rehabbing and all that stuff, if the last, you know, if all that stuff worked out like they wanted it to, and he really did come back, I think yesterday was exactly what you would have wanted to see from him. Um, Cause obviously his, his, game was there on all facets mentally and physically um if that's what we should expect to see and that's where he's going to pick up from and build upon that then this team just got a lot more interesting um and it'll be interesting it could theoretically i don't think it should because you got to see it a little bit more first but it could theoretically change what we see from them um around the trade deadline as well absolutely that was a huge shot in the arm for them last night Uh, they needed that i think um, getting that kind of a pitching performance from somebody not named Corey Kluber or Carlos Carrasco, and you know Kluber's going to be going today. And you know what what was uh, what's been bothering him? Is it the neck? Yeah, they said he has stiff neck, so we took. All a right, couple so hopefully that ends up not being off. anything too serious. But uh, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, so you were at the game on Friday. The, the one other thing I have to just mention just a general observation from being at the, at the park. I was blown away by the fact that I swear I saw at least a three to one, if not more uh, ratio of counterfeit Indians jerseys versus legitimate market jerseys. Are you counting the like giveaway ones? No. Okay. Cause I saw a lot of those. Oh yeah, I mean, a there's of- a lot of that. I mean, that's, and that's fine. That's something given away by the team. Um, you know, I, I got an Andrew Miller one a couple weeks ago. I, I I can't wear it. It's not a size that fits me. But um, you know, it just the the ones that you buy from like those shady overseas websites that, that make the the knockoffs. I, I was stunned by how many of those I saw walking around. Yeah, I guess I didn't really notice that as much. I don't. I didn't pay as much attention. One thing I noticed, and this might always be the case, but I've never been to a game against the Blue Jays before. They there's a hell of a lot of Blue Jays fans. Yes. Yeah. Toronto travels. I'm assuming well. that's just normal as they travel down here because it's a fairly easy drive and, and and whatnot. But I was more than I've ever seen any other team in a game I've been to. Yeah, the, the Toronto fans travel well in general. There's always a smattering of Raptors fans at Cavs games, and and it's especially true with the Blue Jays um, coming in and playing the Indians. That that one last night there was a, definitely a lot. I mean, I think there was probably a good contingent on Friday, but you know, yesterday not a work day. That uh, yeah, it, it there was a a lot of people even in the section um, I was sitting in. Um, we ended up moving to and uh, a little bit uh, closer behind home plate, but um, yeah, that uh, they, they travel well. It's also probably a lot of the same people, like people come down for the weekend and they go to all three games and that's a good bet. That That's a good bet. But yeah, at this point I'm, I'm convinced that if you're a blue Jays fan living in Toronto, it's pretty much just a rite of passage that you at some point have to get to Cleveland. Cause it seems like just about everybody up there has done it at some point. 
with the number of times I've seen Blue Jays fans at our park. But um, yeah, yeah. It, uh... Anyway, they uh, they they can go home uh, today, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, Kluber will send them out with loss number three, and uh, can uh, go cry into their poutine or whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's quite a, quite a gift for them, huh? Get lose the first two games in in different but almost equally excruciating fashion um, and get rewarded by Corey Kluber on game three. Well, it's kind of like last night I was like, I told my dad going into the eighth inning, I said, you know, you're getting mowed down by Salazar for seven innings. You're like, oh, thank God he's out of there. Oh, well, now shit, we got to face Andrew Miller. And we're like, you know, high five at all. This is going to be great. He's going to wipe them out. And then the very first pitch smoke takes him out of the park down the line. We're just like stunned. Everybody I mean, the Blue Jays oh, fans all go nuts. But like the rest of us are all looking around like, what the hell just happened? Like I wouldn't even get a chance to look up at the first pitch and boom. But you know, baseball is a weird game, I guess, man. Uh, that's to say the least. <laughs> all right. I, I think I've, uh, I've seen enough. I'm, I'm ready to call it a, a show. Yeah, go for it. All right. Uh, so uh, folks go subscribe to our show on Apple podcasts. Just go to that podcast app on your iPhone, search the nail in the coffin, click on our logo, and hit the subscribe button. We're also on Google Play, Stitcher, and most other podcast listening apps, and you can catch up on old episodes on our website, thenailpodcast.com. And be sure to go like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thenailpodcast. Uh, Hopefully we'll have something a little bit more positive to talk about uh, the next time, uh, rather than uh, Kyrie uh, begging out of Cleveland, but... uh, We'll see. So uh, for Travis Julie, it's Tom Valentino. It's been the nail in the coffin, and we will talk to you again soon. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews, and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform, or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at hitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast.